Welcome to Insights, the podcast of Forerunners of America. And we are here every time from a biblical perspective to warn the nation of what is going on on all kinds of topics and even how these topics can merge together for other implications for our nation. And not only that, we're here every time to help you respond in faith because that's what we want to do. We want to be walking with God and making a difference. And with that said, today we've got a topic that has been way too under the radar, uh, especially in the church, not in culture, but in the church, and that is transgenderism and what God's position is on transgenderism, how to process this and think about it and what's going on uh, with it being in the news almost constantly, especially here in 2022. But even a year before this, there was this huge surge forward on this topic of transgenderism. So I'm glad you're here. I'm very excited about our our guest today, and I want to welcome Stephen Black from First Stone Ministries. Welcome, Stephen. Thank you. It's good to be with you, Dave. Yeah, I'm so grateful for your life, for your ministry, and all this that's going on. And let's just start there. Um, Stephen, just share a little bit about your your journey, your life, and uh, why this topic is so central to you. And then just share a bit, too, about uh, the ministry that you're doing right now. Okay. Well, I had a life transformative experience as a young man at age 22, where Jesus Christ radically changed my life. Uh, Before that, I had been living gay identified for eight years. Um, In the middle of that, at the last two years of that, I, um, I, I had a tragedy that took place on May 10th, 1981, Mother's Day. Uh, my little brother died, and he's 18 months younger than me, and uh, he had a twin, and we were devastated in growing up uh, with him, and um, uh, we were raised in parochial school, Catholic uh, doctrine, um, had an understanding of God, but didn't really uh, know Jesus Christ as my Lord, so about for about a year and a half I had been crying out about heaven and hell and eternity because I wanted to know where my little brother was in this crisis. And um, lo and behold, I was in a little uh, trailer with some just on fire Christians had been partying with a girlfriend the night before. And she said, we need to go to my sister's house. Better warn you they're they're, you know, assembly God and they're crazy. And I said, well, my sister's a Baptist and she's crazy and they're all crazy. <laughs> and we went over there though. And um, something happened in the middle of the conversation, the spirit of God, I didn't know that's what it was, but this presence came over me and I heard this voice that said, if you do not accept me tonight, you're going to die. My heart started racing and all I need, I knew I just needed to know Jesus like these people did because they were talking about Jesus in ways I'd never heard. And their, their presence of their home was filled with God's love. And that night I radically gave my life over to the Lord. I went home that night, pulled out the big duet table Bible, prayed over it. The thing was this thick and, and uh, didn't know where to turn because my parents priest had told me, you know, being gay was great and God loved me just the way uh, I was. And all the more reason to come to mass, wink, wink, as he tried to seduce me as a young man. And I, I looked at this Bible and I prayed over it and literally flipped it open and it had all these extra pictures. I mean, where am I going to find it? Literally flipped it open. 
and it fell on Leviticus 18. And I saw down on verse 22, where it said, um, you know, the, the, the detestableness that God says that man shall not lie with another man as he does um, with a woman, such an act is an abomination. And I saw that and I was struck and, and the law of God hit me. I remember that night falling down on my knees and saying, I don't know how I can change. Um, God changed me and, uh, and thank God he put me in a revival movement in the Southern Baptist church. It's called the fullness movement in the late seventies, early eighties that connected with, um, you know, what was going on in, in California with the vineyard and a lot of movement of the power of the Holy Spirit. And um, and I just got radically changed and believed the word of God and it changed my life. And so my life first is he sent his word to heal me and to deliver me from my destruction. Uh, three years later, I mar- um, met a wife, met my wife, Robin, and we've been married now for uh, going to be 36 years. And um, yeah, I've been uh, sold out to Jesus ever since. I have three adult children and three grandchildren, and uh, been in this ministry at First Stone for the last uh, 30 full time uh, years. Uh, but uh, within three or four years after uh, really consecrating my life to Christ, it became obvious that I was called to this line of work. And so I've been doing it ever since. And we help everyone uh, from a pastoral care, biblically orthodox position to deal with the inner uh, places of brokenness, trauma, and uh, inner healing to find lasting freedom from all things LGBTQ, but also um, any form of sexual and relational sin. So we do, we're very busy little ministry here in Oklahoma City. What do you do with, there's been so many um, that have tried to um, marginalize ministries like yours, like, oh, you cannot have, is it called deconversion? Yeah, they call it conversion therapy, which is a ruse term that was uh, birthed out of the Southern Poverty Law Center and the um, Human Rights Campaign, the largest gay lobby with some of these fallen leaders. Uh, They came up with this term and they even made a documentary called Pray Away and they they make it sound like nobody changes. You know, I was a part of the Exodus uh, um, network of ministries. First Stone was actually one of the founding ministries. And so I've been around that whole movement uh, and this uh, this idea of ex-gay ministry uh, for over 30 years. And um, so there's this new movement now with the revoicers and, uh, you know, the LGBTQ so-called gay Christians, the side A, side B. Uh, so you've got the merging of those who practice and the celibates, and they call themselves now gay Christian. And all of this movement to say that anybody that uh, actually believes in transformation or believes that Jesus Christ can really change the inner thinking of a person is suspect to this thing called conversion therapy. And so, yeah, they've made movies about it. There's been, you know, Boy Erased. There's been, you know, Pray Away. And there's a new couple of other documentaries coming out. So the the different facets of this uh, movement... It's really just simply to help us uh, be deceived so that none of us believe that you could actually thoroughly change from the inside out by God's work in your life. 
Well said. That's exactly right. And and to understand this, it begins with um, well, especially this 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 really uh, prevalent thing happening right now, like in the Southern Baptists and the PCA, even the Assembly of God and some other churches, is in 2010. Mark Yarhouse and D.A. Carson with the Gospel Coalition wrote a Christian perspective on human sexuality, and they gave a new terminology to all these PhDs and heady guys like even Albert Moeller and Russell Moore and, you know, uh, Tim Keller, uh, this, this thing called sexual minorities. And it simply said... It's taking the American Psychological Association piece of orientation and mixing it with this other part over here that is in kind of this once saved, always saved teaching that's unbiblical of hypergrace, antinomianism, and marrying those things together. And on the other side of it, they're saying, well, if we're going to be compassionate as a church, we need to accept LGBTQ Christians. And now this is the new terminology. And then, you know, in 2018, spring up right underneath Albert Moeller was Nate Collins at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, who was teaching inclusivity and stuff even there. And that came away and he founded uh, three months after he left the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, a movement called Revoice. And so now the Revoicers or the Revoice movement is to really push forward this narrative that you really cannot change and that anybody that would suggest it should be suspect of being an uncompassionate conversion therapy minister. So I remember when I became, came to faith in Christ when I was 20 years old, truly washed from within, truly changed. And it's like how many desires God had to change in me and how many areas he changed in me. But what we've got to be careful with here in the body of Christ is that as if we follow this path, like you're talking about revoice, revoicers and others and so forth, but if we follow this path, well, then we have to admit, well, suddenly, I guess there's one area, meaning our our sexual uh uh, aberrations. This is this is one area that God just can't change it. He can change everything else, but He just can't change this. That's so, right. okay, we got to get into a whole bunch of stuff here that's just been going on recently here in 2022. Um, but, uh, but Stephen, uh, before we do um, another piece of your background, but it's really um, being written right now in your life, is you and some others are taking a lawsuit against the U.S. government, and can just briefly explain that, because we've got a lot of stuff we got to get to, but I want people to hear this. Yeah, just last week, we filed in district court in Washington, D.C. to sue the president, uh, President Biden, Nancy Pelosi, Speaker of the House, and Chuck Schumer, who is the, uh, the Speaker of the Senate. And basically, there is this thing called the Equality Act, and it was passed in the House, H.R. 
5 is what it was called. It was uh, initially a resolution when President Biden, before he came into office, the House had already passed it. But when President Biden came in, he basically made it a presidential proclamation and mandate that all federal employees must bow down to this thing called the Equality Act, which is basically amending the Civil Rights 1964 Act that made race and gender, um, uh, you know, you can't, you cannot discriminate based on race and gender. So it made race and gender protected in the area of employment, housing, insurance, securities, um, um, uh, banking industry, medical, everything. Uh, education. So they're wanting to make LGBTQ plus, and there, and there is that plus sign that people really need to pay attention to. And they want to attach this to the idea of someone's sex or race and gender and attach that, that these behaviors are equal to. That's what the Democrats want. And what that will do is like what happened in Canada just in January, is it makes what I'm doing a criminal felony up to five years in prison in Canada for just speaking the truth about God's word. And so what this would do in our country is it would make any truly Bible-believing church um, uh, propagating what they call hate speech and attack on the same level as race and gender with LGBTQ. Wow. So you're saying that from the U.S. Constitution, you have a chance of winning this legal case. Uh, legally and and honestly, constitutionally, it is we are, you know, the law is on our side and um, we should be able to win this and at least puts the brakes on this LGBTQ secular humanism, because LGBTQ, people don't understand, is based in secular humanism. So it is actually a religion of worship of self. And they even have their own icon, you know, the the uh, the pride banner, which is what they worship and they worship of self. It is a form of Gnosticism. And um, and so we we make this arguments, our lawyers make the arguments and are able to tie it to the the precedent of law that's already been ruled on at the Supreme Court level that secular humanism cannot be, excuse me, a part of what the government um, allows in the federal government or in, in, in the institutions. Well, in Forerunners, we often talk about responding in faith, which means we actually put feet to what's important to God and what he's revealed in the scriptures. And anyway, we sometimes refer to that as contending for the faith from Jude verse 3. And I know that's an important verse to you as well. Even before we got to know each other, I saw that that was a very important uh, passage for you. But anyway, thank you for standing up, for responding in faith, for literally contending for the faith, meaning the whole nation at that level. And so thank you, Stephen, and we need to keep praying for you as this thing goes forward. Because the battle will rage. They will not sit quietly or idly with this LGBTQ religion. The the enemy never gives up easily. And um, God calls his people, us, to stand up and to stand for his righteous 
uh, character, his righteous purposes. And uh, by default, then you're going to be uh, contending against wickedness. And we can't forget that, that this is really a battle in which God uh, uses us. And of course, this is part of the spiritual battle uh, as well as we're fighting not against f- flesh and blood, but it certainly is carried out visibly within uh, our government and other institutions. So with that said, Stephen, uh, we have got to take a, a deep dive. At least for me, this will be a deep dive. I know this will might be just the surface for you. Um, but I want to begin by reading uh, a part of this article from uh, a social commentator named Christopher Rufo. And he's done some great writing on the LGBTQ area, and we are mostly focusing today on transgenderism. But obviously, they are all connected, and there's a lot going on here with the overall uh, issue that's going on. But anyway, the name of his article is called Radical Gender Lessons for Young Children. And this just was posted on April 21st, 2022. And this is what it, uh, this article says. Um, and for those that are getting this through YouTube, uh, we'll put this up on the screen. The Evanston Skokie School District, so Chicago, uh, has adopted a radical gender curriculum that teaches pre-kindergarten. Did you hear that? Pre-kindergarten through third grade students to celebrate the transgender flag, uh, break the transgender binary. And I need to stop there quick because some people might not be clear on that. In fact, I just ran into somebody yesterday that's been a Christian a long time was not clear on that. But gender binary is the position that the Bible holds, meaning God created us as male and female. It's one or the other. It is a binary. And they want us to get rid of that because once you get rid of that, it opens up the, flings the door open for the whole LGBTQ um, uh, uh, agenda. And it goes on to say here that not only that does it want to break the gender binary, in other words, make gender fluid, that this has been established by white colonizers. And the experiment with neo-pronouns, et cetera, goes on from there. So as we jump into the article here, it says um, that that Christopher Rufo, who, again, he's made films and documentaries, and he's a social commentator, he he says that... uh, I have obtained the full curriculum documents, which are part of the Chicago Area District's LGBTQ plus equity week. The teachers are to present the transgender flag and the basic concepts of gender identity, and this is pre-kindergarten, explaining that, quote, we call people with more than one gender or no gender non-binary or queer. And then it moves on here. I'm having to skip some stuff, but it goes on here to talk about kindergarten. So this is what's being brought to kindergartners or will be brought to them in this area. It says, uh, in kindergarten, the, the lessons on gender and trans identity go deeper. Quote, when we show whether we feel like a boy or a girl or some of each, we are expressing our gender identity. And that's, that's how this lesson, lesson begins. It goes on to the, from there, quote, There are also children who feel like a girl and a boy, or like neither, a boy or a girl. We can call these children transgender. Students are expected to be able to, quote, explain the importance of the rainbow flag and trans flag, and are are asked to consider their own gender identity. The kindergartners read two books that affirm transgender conversions, study photographs of boys in dresses, learn details about the transgender flag, and perform a rainbow dance. And now, now again, I'm going to skip ahead here into first grade students that, that they're going to learn these 
transgender pronouns specifically highlighted in this article are she, tree, like a tree that grows outside, she, tree, they, he, her, him, them, z, zer, and her, but not h-e-r, h-i-r. So, Stephen, what is going on here? This is um, being brought forth, accepted right here in cities across our nation. This one highlighting Chicago. Exactly. And this is uh, uh, the uh, from the human rights campaign. They they had a um, a brainstorm a few years ago that they needed to start in some of the most liberal cities. And they also did this in Austin, Texas, which is to start promoting this in elementary and preschool that this must be all forms of LGBTQ and now, you know, underscoring the T with the Q. Now, people, when they hear, you know, when I was growing up, the word queer meant something derogatory. Today, it means the non-binary or somebody who will not um, really embrace God-given gender. They want to make it really obscure, and they're wanting to do this now to the minds of children. Now, children are very, very malleable, and they know this. And, um, And so think about this, that plus sign And this is the thing that really is connected to this, is that the American Psychological Association has now said that we do not want to use the word pedophile because that seems derogatory. We need to accept that there are people who are minor attracted people. That's prepubescent. And so there is, you know, the, the people just need to actually wake up. This is a recruitment of children into the LGBTQ cult, secular humanistic mindset to recruit and to malle- go into their malle- malleability and mold the minds of these children in the idea that anything that's black and white in his image, male and female, science, XX, XY, needs to have some kind of subjectivity to be under the subjectiveness of the LGBTQ mindset. This is what's happening. And then they have YAPS, youth attracted person. And they're saying that this is a person who is attracted to someone post-pubescent And these are legitimate orientations. And so this comes in with the T and the Q and that plus sign. This is really happening. I know for some of your listeners, they're probably going like tilt, like (laughs) in even some of the survey that we saw in Barna, 60% of people 25 and younger think that gay marriage should be embraced, even in all evangelical lines of Christianity. Wow. And so we we are at a frenzy place in our nation with these uh, eroding and perverse ideas being normalized. 
So the article I just read it it, it concludes with that what they've done is taking a queer college level class and they've translated it or simplified it down to our youngest children. And by the way, we'll put the link to that article um, in the description. But it actually goes on to talk about. Um, uh, up to third grade and what's going on here. And we don't have to uh, uh, be too aware of things to realize that, you know, Governor DeSantis in Florida has really found himself embroiled in a battle there in Florida because they're, they're um, not allowing uh, LGBTQ uh, teaching training like this, um, even uh, specifically K through third grade. And so this goes right against what we just read here. But what you were just saying, Stephen, um, about the malleability of little kids, it's like the brain is not developed in terms of judgment. And, uh, it doesn't it, even it, stop growing until age 25. And so, so people form their, their greatest ways of thinking from age 18 to 25. How much more so if this is going on now for decades? So the, the word I've heard as well is grooming. Like when you look at what's leaking into, or let's just even being, say, being advocated for in our public schools, it's actually grooming the mindsets of our youngest children. We're not talking about just middle schoolers and high schoolers, and it's happening there too. We're talking about the youngest kids um, right. that as parents were handing them over to this system uh, that is very intentional. I, I am curious, Stephen, I, I, I recently saw a revealing documentary on this called The Mind Polluters. It's revealing all of this stuff that's going on uh, specifically in the public schools. And it's not an exaggeration when you watch this that they are literally taking relatively or let's say uh, reasonable reasonably pure minds and they're being polluted and there's books that introduce this stuff and uh it's it's really alarming and one thing they talk about all this curriculum it is uh driven through emotion and it's what you feel like everything you i just read in this article even it was just what you feel in the moment do i feel like a boy or a girl do i feel confused and then they just run with your emotions rather than going with the scientific data um all right. Well, Stephen, giving some uh, further emphasis here to the, the T in LGBTQ+, which is, of course, transgenderism, I've noticed that um, it's not only what's going on in our school system, but it is in other arenas as well, like athletics and so forth. And so um, just on, I believe it was March 18th, uh, Leah Thomas, who... Uh, is a male who transitioned to Leah. Uh, his name is Will Thomas, actually. But the point is, is that he just won an NCAA championship event in, I believe it was the 500 freestyle. Yep. And uh, and he, he actually uh, won the championship. They're competing against biological females. And so we have this whole athletic arena, which... So there are at least some people protesting, but as you followed this, like what kind of insights do you have related to, to what's going on here with, with that arena? Well, I think it's important for people to realize what we were just talking about, the education systems, uh, because when this starts becoming more and more legitimized, normalized, even when you start educating and actually um, making children um, uh, begin to question, uh, then you realize that every one of these people that have what are called um, gender 
transition regret or uh, they regret having transitioned and you look at their lives, this is consistent across the board where childhood experiences like Walt Heyer in the In His Image movie and Laura Beth Perry on our staff, you realize that things happen in, in the childhood, like Walt's grandmother dressed him up in a purple dress and told him how beautiful he looked and that he should be female. And this is exactly the kind of level of, of really grooming and recruitment of the minds first of the children to start thinking this way. And so when you understand that, and then you look at the end result of those who have regret, you start finding out that so many of them had uh, other areas of abuse and brokenness in their families that needed to be resolved. And then the regret that they have from taking the hormones that can really affect the vocal cords, affect the body in so many ways, sterilization, um, and, and so many other complications with cancer that they're not telling uh, the general public of what's happening with these people. Just a but second. I just, just a second. I just want to ask you, so you're talking about hormone therapy and you're saying that the word's not getting out there, that there's actually all these side effects and, and serious side effects to, to that whole realm. And it seems like, at least in some schools, that they have allowed uh, students without their parents' knowledge to take uh, hormone therapy. Well, they created a slush fund in California to do so. And it's kind of like moving forward with sex education. So now, without even parental consent to move these children forward in the idea of transition. The thing is, is, is they're not looking at all the data and understanding the long-term effects of like Lupron that actually sterilize these people and bring other forms of uh, problems with their, their bone density and, and uh, the, the, uh, the cancer uh, that will come, you know, 10, 20 years down the road. But even those that have regret, and this is the thing that they're not telling the general public, there is even in the Scandinavian countries, the same John Hopkins study on transgenderism, 41% more likely to commit suicide or have suicidal ideology than the general public. So it's it's the highest demographic of those who... Um, will try to kill themselves. And they are at, even actually after transitioning in Scandinavian countries where they're 10, 20 years down the road than where we are, 19 times more likely to actually commit suicide. And this is more destructive than tobacco. And yet we put warning labels on tobacco to say, you know, tobacco is dangerous to your health. This is actually 10 times more dangerous. And yet mm -hmm. now we're going to teach our elementary school kids that this is normative. This is what's happening. And this is why I know is as, as strange as it seems, but when you really start unpacking this, this is why it needs to be understood. This is a form of a religion that is actually diabolical. And of course, from a Christian perspective, we know it's birthed out of the pit of hell to destroy children's lives. So on that topic, uh, 
a few minutes ago, you mentioned uh, the documentary film in his image, and your story, uh, you're also highlighted in that documentary. Now, that whole documentary seems to be highlighting that we're created in God's image, and we start to chase this LGBTQ, but we're focusing a bit more here today on transgenderism, but as we focus on that we're actually fighting against the very image of how God created us, male and female. And that uh, that documentary, I I believe it also uh, got into gender dysphoria, where you're uh, you know you're uh, somehow disappointed, frustrated, angry over your own gender. And it, but it's said in there that eighty five percent of people that go through a season of gender dysphoria right. that they'd naturally grow out of it. Right. From from ages zero to 18, especially those formative beginning formative years in the latter part of puberty, that's when they start growing out of it. Eighty five percent. And so if we don't allow that natural progression to grow out of it, but we start giving hormone blockers and removing healthy breast tissue, which that's what they want to do with 12, 13 and 14 year old girls. Hmm. This is tragic. This is so diabolical. It really is akin to the spiritual uh, evil against humanity because Satan hates the image of God in in male and female, uh, an assignment to bring such destruction against women. And this whole thing, you brought up the sports part of this, is the, the, you know, there's such an assault on women in so many different ways uh, with the whole transgender movement. It, it minimizes the beauty of femininity, uh, the, you know, the, of course, the gay part of the drag queen story hour stuff, which is also an assault on children, is this idea of this female character characterizing that is is really distorted no woman looks like those drag queens dress up and so there's so many assaults against women and now our teenage daughters having to put up with men going into locker rooms and showering uh, just because they say they're a female and then in engaging in their sports and it's ruining female sports that's why there's laws being erected in some really good states like Oklahoma and Florida, and I think it's happened in Texas, where we're not going to allow this. Men, biological men, cannot compete against biological females. Uh, by way of clarification, when you just said that even biological males being in female locker rooms and showering, is that currently happening, or is that something like that the Equality Act would bring in? Oh, no, it's currently happening. This is it's happening in, in states like California. Well, and even Alaska, there's a, a documentary that talked about how uh, there was a, a shelter for women and they had to allow a transgendered male to female shelter with these women. We've seen uh, there was a, a report uh, here recently where a, a male to female transgendered who still has his, had his reproductive organs intact, entered into a female prison and actually impregnated two women hmm. in the prison. Right. So this stuff is already taking place. And if the Equality Act were to pass, it would make all of this, according to law, normal, like aborting babies. That's just normal. Unbelievable. Wow. Okay. So we have the education realm. We've got the 
the athletic realm. Uh, you're bringing us now into the, the prison realm, and, and the, there's all kinds of things going on here. It seems like it's being pushed in every facet of society. I want to read this next article, which is just another angle on the whole thing and how this agenda is being pushed. And this is a March 31st, 2022 article titled TSA Announces New Woke Gender Neutral Screening Processes for Transgenders Using Advanced Imaging Technology. And it, it explains here that uh, President Biden celebrated Transgender Day of Visibility. By the way, Stephen, I didn't even know there was a Transgender Day of Visibility, but I think it's way visible already, but apparently this is on the calendar. Anyway, and this is just the Wednesday before March 31st. It said on that, celebra- on that day, uh, Biden was celebrating prominent transgender Americans. He announced new measures inclusive of transgender people on Thursday. Then this, the U.S. Department of State announced on Thursday that U.S. citizens will be will be able to select an X as their gender marker on the on their U.S. passport application starting on April 11th. On the same day, TSA announced a new screening procedure for transgender, non-binary, and gender non-conforming airline passengers, etc. Uh, it just seems like every area, everywhere you turn around, even traveling in the airport, it's push, 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 push. Can you give us any further insight? What I know you said it's diabolical, and obviously we see Satan's hand in it, but any more to this in terms of why is this being pushed everywhere? Well, we have uh, an ideology at the highest levels in the—it really is a political movement. It's not based in science. And it really is a a religion, like I've mentioned repeatedly, secular humanism. In the highest places of people who have, honestly, a lot of money, their moral worldview is different than a Christian worldview. And so they feel like, and honestly, some of these people well-meaning, that they're doing something very compassionate uh, because they've been lied to long enough now to say that these people cannot change and cannot help it. And that there is a mental, and they don't call it a disorder anymore, very, very rarely anyhow, that transgender mental illness is actually something that should be normalized. Since we've been living under 50 years of the the, uh, the diagnostic standard manual removing homosexuality as a neurotic way of thinking, and and yet the Bible clearly makes this unnatural thinking, unnatural affections. Now we've taken it and we've multiplied it several times in the anxiety disorders and the dysfunction of the mind. Uh, that really is demonic activity, and we've normalized it because of this movement with psychology and higher learning. And so you've got a lot of well-meaning people in the highest places of government that believe like, um, you know, this this man uh, who uh, uh, is uh, called Rachel Levine, who is the uh, assistant Secretary for Health of all things. So you've got a transgendered person who began the in the Biden administration the idea of normalizing this under the idea of good health, and so they're they're being uh, lied to. We're being lied to. The culture's being lied to that this is an idea of compassion and good health. 
say, in addition to that appointee that you just described, I've got another one that just came out today. I couldn't believe this came out today. It's, again, along these same lines of who are the people being appointed to this, these uh, levels of leadership that are actually then able to influence the whole country. So this is April, uh, April 22nd, 2022. The, the article is titled, Amid Public Concern About Grooming Kids, American Library Association Picks, quote, Marxist Lesbian as President. And, and she is a self-ascribed Marxist lesbian. In fact, in her tweet, let me read her tweet when she uh, got voted into this position. Uh, she said, I just cannot believe that a Marxist lesbian talking about herself, a Marxist lesbian who believes that collective power is possible to build and can be wielded for a better world is the president-elect of the American Library Association. Association. I am so excited for what we will do together. And then she says, solidarity, exclamation point. But just to summarize this, uh, the article explains that a large organization that drives the training of U.S. librarians and their use of public funds has chosen a self-described Marxist lesbian as its next president amid growing concern about libraries actively uh, connecting children to sexually explicit activities and materials. So there, there you go. This is happening in real time. Yeah, they uh, will also, with the Equality Act and with people in high positions in this place, even without the Equality Act, will continue to see what we've seen with Twitter and Facebook and social media. The level of censoring this nation has never incurred upon. They, this communist manifesto is that we bring a, a, a really immoral revolution uh, in our education systems and then to bring about a, a, a really a Marxist mindset to uh, eliminate a Judeo-Christian belief, morality, and, 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 and bring polluting so that the controlling forces can, can, can come down on the general public and they will decide, the government will decide what you believe. And uh, that this is a, a step in that direction with, with even our libraries. I mean, my book, um, would probably be uh, banned from most libraries uh, in the United States now. And what's the title of your book? Freedom Realize, uh, Freedom from Homosexuality and Living a Life Free from Labels. And the free from labels is because of what we are seeing in the church at large with actually the promoting of an LGBTQ, albeit they call it celibate, but gay Christians. And uh, that is that is just one step away from corruption, you know, cor corrupting the soul as well. And this is happening at large in the church. We'll put a, a link to find that that book again in the description. I'm going to put a few links on this particular podcast because we don't have enough time to get into all the supporting documentation of what we're getting into. Yeah. But we got to turn a corner here because, Stephen, you said uh, here just a few minutes ago, you said something or, uh, along the lines of science that they're not following the science. Okay, the narrative out there is that they're the ones following the science. So what kind of science can you point to? Yeah, so there's a ruse thing that happens a lot of time when we point to, to the hardcore 
concrete science on genetics. And that is that a woman is XX in all of her genome, in every one of her strands of DNA, it's XX. And males are XY. And that Y chromosome determines whether or not um, the, the fertilization will 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 which comes from male, the spermo is an either an X or an X or a Y and determines that at conception. And they will use this ruse idea or even this, this obscuring with the intersex person or what's called sexual development uh, deformity or sexual development distorting. And that is, is that there can be in utero an extra X uh, chromosome or Y chromosome added to where uh, there's an ambivalence, which is a very low number, uh, but still those people are concretely male and female. And so they like to blur all of this and they want to call it, you know, the embracing of being non-binary. And yet God's word is true. And the science is on our side on this. And then in uh, August of 2019, there were a a group of people in the United Kingdom, along with many doctors in the uh, East Coast, that did what was called the genome-wide associative study with over 455,000 participants to find the gay gene. And David, they found nothing. There's no gay gene. It's the biggest study that's ever been conducted. You think that would be headline news. You would. They buried it. They buried it. Unbelievable. Now, we've done other podcasts on censorship in America. And, of course, you have cancel culture and all kinds of things going on in this arena. But it's unthinkable that the true science is not allowed to get out there. Unbelievable. I I think at this point, though, we just have to assume— um, as Americans in general, but specifically here with our audience, we're talking about Christians. We have to assume what we're hearing is a made-up narrative according to an agenda. That's and, right. Um, yeah, I, I, I guess I just got to circle back just for a moment. I, if I heard what you were saying right here, uh, Stephen, that that part of what's behind all of this is really two groups of people. You said good-hearted people that really are trying to help people like come into their fullness and they don't understand how misguided they are, and they're trying to help those people with freedom. The other group of people truly uh, have this nefarious uh, ideology and motivation. And when I look at a lot of this and how it destroys the character of Americans, which then in turn destroys the character of America, this is what I would think is what people would want to do that want to destroy America. And so get, not getting into the discussion of which is the bigger group, you know, the, the, the naive, good-hearted group or the people with the um, uh, sinister motivations, but whatever this is— uh, in the spiritual realm, this is exactly what Satan would want for us to even be confused about gender as well as the whole LGBTQ narrative. But it's like, this is exactly like, I, I want to call them bottom feeders. The bottom feeders that, that can see an opportunity to destroy America, this is something they jump on. And I think that's part of why mainstream media is um, is censoring or at least burying studies like this. That's right. And when Ironically, when you look in countries like Russia and China and other communist countries or oppressive uh, countries in the Middle East, no one is allowed to talk about LGBTQ. So they know it is a form of eroding 
real freedom and liberty by bringing immorality and perversion so that there can be a conquest of control. This has all been about control. It's the heart of what we see in eschatology that Satan will want to control and he will be allowed to right before the coming of the Lord, uh, the masses and, um, and, and that's what we see happening here. This is a pathway for bringing destruction and implosion because there will, will be a division here. This is going to bring uh, civil unrest in ways that we have never seen before. It's already happening with like the communist movement of Black Lives Matter and critical race theory. It's bringing such a division. And yet, uh, unfortunately, for those who are naive and are not paying attention, they're being divided as well under the banner of compassion. And so this is so important for the church to rise up and for us to proclaim the truth boldly uh, and yes, you're going to be hated and pushed back on, and persecution is coming. So it is so important that we do this to speak the truth. And 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 again, underscoring from a biblical worldview, what is the science on this? And we can't be afraid to say that men are men and women are women, and that homosexuality is sin, and transgenderism really is a form of mental illness. It needs to be stated clearly. Why do you think it is that within the church, these are clearly biblical issues at the heart of God. How come within the church we so rarely hear about what you just said? Let's call out sin is sin, and let's paint a positive vision for how God uh, orchestrated this, that he created male and female, and we're not even hearing a positive vision from the scriptures. Like nobody even talks about transgenderism, or rarely. It's almost like, like, I feel like I have to go to various news sites or for somebody like a Christopher Rufo that I quoted earlier, I have to go to their sites to get the accurate information to help guide the body of Christ and really guide my own life and family. Rather than, we, it's like we've handed it over, the church has handed over to these other outlets when, why isn't this a primary teaching within the church in light of what's going on in our culture today? Well, I, I, in studying church revival and studying when we see a movement of God, I believe it gets back to fundamental, something that is the beginning of wisdom is removed. Um, there is not an appetite for quorum Deo, it's the Latin phrase, living in the presence of God, which is uh, cultivating the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And first century Christians uh, had something that modern day Christians do not have. And that is, is that we don't live with the divine tension that Jesus Christ could come at any moment. Every single one of writers of the New Testament believed he, he was coming in their life. We don't live with the divine tension of the Roman sword or spear right at our throat that we could die at any moment and willing to proclaim the truth of the gospel. These are some things that have been fundamentally been removed from modern day evangelical Christian church. And we've got to get back to preaching the truth and really hitting our knees. We need to pray like we have never prayed before. And we need to see that we are at a crisis. I mean, frenzy crisis of an onslaught of perversion and evil. And this is not at all being distorted. This is real. Wow. Um, everybody, 
We need to contend for the faith. We need to stand up for righteousness because that's who God is. He's a righteous God, and we don't mean in a mean way, but in a way where we're truly bringing forth the truth and that people are set free by what? The truth will set you free is what Jesus said. This is just so crucial that we think clearly and often and put feet to our beliefs in this area, uh, uh, obviously within our churches, but but parents, grandparents, that we need to be, uh, let's not allow grooming the other way. Let's bring our kids up in the Lord and why, what's true, what's false here, what's lies, and how people are damaged uh, through these lifestyles. Now, Stephen, um, as we conclude here, how about any other scriptures? Okay, so I've said like the obvious one, Genesis one twenty seven, that God created male and female. Also, Jesus affirms that in Matthew nineteen one through right. five, and he, he says, "From the beginning, God created them, male and female." So we can't get into this. Well, we're going to debate if Genesis uh, one and two belong in the Bible. We can't get into that because Jesus said it, and we're New Testament, and He's the authority. So he, He's got good theology. <laughs> so we want to we want to hold on there. But like any other scriptures that can just help us get started in training our kids or grandkids or firming up even our own beliefs on this topic? Well, certainly uh, the Sermon on the Mount uh, is probably, I mean, most theologians communicate the greatest teaching of Jesus and really unpacking the Sermon on the Mount and the motivations of the heart and looking at what is going on internally, which taps right into this ideology of secular humanism and LGBTQ, um, really uh, alignment inside the soul that is so sadly most of the time um, as an exposure to to really dark and seedy and secular um, darkness of sexual uncleanness that has happened in the minds of our youth. So to getting back to having clear thinking and the Beatitudes, but also, you know, uh, Paul's letter to Timothy. I, I love that he said, you know, our gospel is not um, um, based on futility, but based upon the sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ with a doctrine conforming the soul to godliness. And so we have to get back to the words of Jesus and allowing the words of Jesus to permeate our hearts, to cause us to where we see the narrow way, like the Sermon on the Mount talks about, and that many, we shouldn't be surprised, like Tim, Paul telling Timothy in 2 Timothy that in the last day there would be perilous times, that Jesus said, many will come to me on that day and even say that you're our Lord, you're our Lord. But they kept practicing lawlessness. They kept living in sin and they didn't have a rejuvenated heart. And so we have to teach our children these things about what it means to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. And folks, that may mean that may mean you are going to have to bite down with less things and get your kids out of these government schools that are corrupting their minds and destroying their souls potentially forever. And that's what is most important is living for the eternal one and Coram Deo having an eternal uh, internal. And when you live within an, an, an eternal internal and you have that perspective, you can make a big change where it starts with us, 
then with our children, and then with the people that we have influenced. So it begins with us contending for the faith, doing that which is right so that we can make a difference. Amen. And um, just to clarify, I'm assuming you're not against those Christian parents that are trying to get on school boards right now to reverse this thing. I'm assuming <laughs> no, I'm because, you know, uh, I'm a huge fan of homeschooling for a whole bunch of reasons and this being one of them. But still, there are those that feel that calling to get into the system and to change it or to at least do as much good as possible within a corrupt system. And I think we want to uh, encourage them as well. Absolutely. And that's, but see, that's just it, is knowing what your part is and influencing where you can. Whatever it is, however God has made you, you have to be diligent in contending for the faith. And I talk a lot about that passage in Jude because it's going to apply differently with with different gift sets and different personalities and who you are in God's calling, but be diligent. Right on. Thank you. Great word today, Stephen. Thank you for being on Insights. And we never even got to, like, I don't know, a half a dozen other key topics. I'll have to have you back, and uh, we we can take a deep dive or a deeper dive on many things um, on this. But uh, I do have to to mention that uh, a couple other scriptures maybe that people will want to look up, uh, Deuteronomy 22.5 there, uh, very powerful on this transgender topic, as well as 1 Corinthians 6.9. And in 1 Corinthians 6.9, it's like Paul is affirming what's in Deuteronomy 22.5. And so, Anyway, I'll, uh, I'll, we'll save further discussion on that. But also there's this thing, uh, at least I just learned about it here in the last couple of months, called Detransitioning Awareness Day. And right. so many amazing examples of all these young people putting on Twitter that they had transitioned, or they're young adults, and they had transitioned into the other uh, uh, sex, and then how they, they were as lost as ever and came out and are saying, do not transition. One last, uh, one last uh, plug, and that would be for uh, Timothy Zebel, who wrote the book Transitioning. It's also another good resource on this topic. And uh, Stephen, I just want to again highlight with you that in his image, uh, a video, uh, where can they find it? Is it at your First Stone website? It can, but it also has its own website in his image.movie. And the nice thing about it is under the resource tab, there's 25 other videos answering these questions, uh, and specifically on the transgender uh, question. Wow, awesome ministry. Uh, in that case, an awesome documentary, but Stephen, awesome ministry. Thank you for standing up and doing something for God, clearly at the heart of God and scriptural that many are not willing or, or taking the courage to do. Uh, but I hope today's podcast will help many, many more. So thank you, Stephen, and thank you, everyone, for joining us again. Uh, you can find us here uh, not only on YouTube, but also Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Rumble, and uh, take care. And I look forward to being with you next time on Insights. <laughs>